0: You're here today. Uh, we're doing something fun here today. We're in the middle of a series called Real Truth Cinema. And what we do during Real Truth Cinema is we take uh, movies and we watch them on Saturday. And then we examine how the truths presented in the movies stack up against the truth presented in Scripture. Uh, and so what we're talking about today is kind of the theme that goes along with the Turtles movie. What did the Turtles want, guys? They wanted acceptance. They wanted love. They wanted community. Uh, But the problem is they had to live in the sewers because they were mutants, and if people saw them, they would want to kill them, right? That's kind of the premise of the whole thing. Um, They just wanted to be loved and accepted. Maybe someday everybody's going to love us like they love this guy in this movie. This was their dream. And I just got to say, when I was their age, you know, these kids are probably junior high, maybe early high school, they just want to have fun and be accepted. That's how I felt whenever I was like 14, 15. Can anybody else in here... Identify with that. At that time in your life, you really just wanted to be loved and accepted. I know junior high was a horrible time of life for me because I wanted this love and acceptance and I had a hard time finding it. I got picked on, you know, I got made fun of and all that stuff at school. And so it was really, really hard. You've got some notes in your bulletin. If you want to pull those out, it's going to have most of the passages of scripture we're going to look at on there. It's also got a spot or two for you to write something down. And the first thing that I want you to write down today is this truth. I have a natural need for relationships. Now, this is a general truth about all humans. I have a natural need for relationships. Now, why do I say that? Guys, what is the most important command in the entire Bible? Okay, yeah, Matthew 22. Uh, Teacher, what's the most important commandment in the law of Moses? This is a guy asking Jesus this question. What's the most important commandment in the law of Moses? That would be the Old Testament, right? The the big part of the Bible. Jesus replied with this quote from Deuteronomy. He quotes a command. He says, this is the most important command. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first commandment and greatest commandment. If you want to get your life together, where does Jesus say to start? He says to start with your personal relationship with God. The most important thing you can do in life is to get this right, love God. And don't just love God passively, you need to love God with your whole being. You need to love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You don't just say, I like God, and I put God on the shelf with all the other stuff in my life. God gets the bookcase. God takes up the shelf. God becomes my priority. Jesus says, if you want to get your life together, that's where you start. You start with God, your relationship with God. This is the most important commandment. Now, I mentioned in the beginning, we've got a natural need for relationships. Did you notice that the most important command in the Bible is a relational command? The most important command in the Bible is a relational command. God says your most important mission and job in life is to be relationally connected to me in love. Why? Why does God say this is the most important command? Because God is a relational God. I have a natural need for love and relationship because God has made me that way because God inherently desires love and relationship himself. He inherited, I inherited that when I was created in his image. And so I grow up with these longings for connection that are put there by God. You guys understand that? Why did Jesus come into the world? I have this connection this need for connection. Guys, Jesus came into the world to meet that need for connection. He came into the world because God wants that connection with me too. Not only do I desire connection, God desires this connection. And it's put there by him. And it's not just for us and God. It's for us and one another too. Because he goes on uh, in, in, in the second part here. In, in 39 he says a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is Jesus talking. He says the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And when he says law and prophets, he's talking about the Old Testament. So that old part of the Bible, the the 613 commandments, all that big, thick book can be boiled down into loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. That's the point of it. Now, Jesus says that is... That is the sum of everything. Guys, you notice number one is a relational command. Number two is a relational command. Do you guys see that? you guys see how important relationships are? Okay? God made us this way. Now we know life is better when we feel loved, right? If you don't feel loved, what does it feel like? feels like something's wrong. Why do a lot of us come in here all messed up? Because we didn't get loved the way we needed to. And so we're all messed up because of it. Or we got abused or whatever. Guys, Penn State researchers in in a couple of different studies, blind from one another, have found that uh, people who report higher instances of feeling loved just report a greater quality of life all the way around. And where people don't feel loved, there's a lower quality of life all the way around. This is so important because it is a basic need that God has put in us. This basic need for community. So we start out this silly movie with these Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and this desire for community. And it's set up and framed in kind of a silly scenario. But guys, these are deep themes that this silly little movie deals with. And the first truth is we need community. We need community. But guys, what can get in the way of our having community sometimes? Let's watch that next clip.
1: Whispering, we cannot be more quiet. You make okay. quiet noises. Dude, that makes it louder. You be... Boys, where have you been? I've been freaking wow. out. We're sorry, oh, Dad. Yeah. listen to It was this um, one. The, two, it was this cat, and you know I'm scared
2: of cats, so uh, cats. yeah, we did have wait to wait a, to a
1: second. You said you were go shopping, then come right back. Where were you? Uh, uh, that means Look, we're really sorry, Splinter. Some of the guys want to see a movie and I try to talk them out of it. What?! You watch a movie with a human?! You ratted us out! Hey! Don't use that word that way. I'm mean, drink. sorry, Dad. It wasn't that big a deal! We just watched a movie and came back! We're fine! Mmm... You forgot, huh? You don't remember why humans are disgusting monsters? Why they're dangerous? Why they
0: gonna milk us for our blood? (laughs) They're gonna milk us for our blood. One of them says, we don't even have nipples. Uh, I don't think you're supposed to say that in church. And then what happens later in the movie? They get their blood milked, which is hilarious. Anyway, uh, it's not simply enough ...to be known in life. Uh, We don't just want to be known. We want to be known and loved. So we've got this need for community with God. We've got this need for community with one another. Uh, But Splinter does not want the boys to go outside. Why? Because Splinter was afraid of pain. He was afraid of rejection. What can tempt us to remain isolated when we've got this inherent need for community? The temptation to isolation comes from hurt. When we have been hurt in life, we don't want that pain anymore. And so we will keep people at a distance and keep relationships at a distance, relationally hiding either through not letting people get to know us or not being vulnerable or we just don't go outside. Why? Because there's evil things out there that can hurt us. And for parents that have been hurt deeply, like Splinter had been, you know, sometimes parents can be hypervigilant in trying to protect kids from pain. And so we pass on paranoia and we pass on a lot of unhealth to kids sometimes because we teach our kids to treat pain as the enemy Guys, you cannot go through life and be in relationship with people and not get hurt sometimes. If you treat pain as the enemy, will you protect yourself from pain? Yes, but what else will you not have in your life? You won't have close relationships. You won't have close friends. You won't get a lot of the good things in life that God desires for you in relationship because you choose to treat pain as your enemy. When you've been hurt, guys, you can also, you can make the opinion of people way too important to you as well, can't you? You can care way too much about what people think to the neglect of everything else. Next blank in your notes is I can make acceptance an idol if I'm not careful. I can make acceptance an idol. And an idol is just something that becomes most important to you in life over God, even uh, it's easy when you want something so bad, when you want love so bad, uh, that 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 you make unwise sacrifices for it, and that's what we see the turtles doing. Let's go ahead and watch that next clip.
2: Look, human woman, I got a question. So, just be straight with me. Do you think there are more people like you? You know, people who will accept us?
1: No, absolutely not. Um, genuinely, no. There's no way. you knew it. It's confirmed. Wait, 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 wait. If I'm being honest, I mean, the reason I'm not scared of you is, you know, you guys helped me out. And if you hadn't, and I had just, like, stumbled across you, yeah, I'd be very scared. I'd be really um, freaked out and disgusted. Sorry, my mom is texting. Dad is texting us. He's freaking out of me. at least all parents are the same.
2: A hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. Our
1: dad is definitely not a giant rat. That makes me feel like he's a rat. Well, I'll airdrop you my contact, and if you ever feel like you wanna come out to the world or whatever, just let me know. I would love to write a story about it. Seriously. Good night. I mean, she seemed cool.
2: Here he goes again. That's, a big girl, man. <laughs> That's your tight.
1: All right, I'm not that in. Give me that contact. I saw Yeah, hey, give <laughs> me that contact. I'm going to tell you right, right
2: now.
1: I, am I, I am the stick is a it. I was, I was like, "Why?
2: I want more, guys. I got the taste of life and I don't want to wash it out of my mouth. I want it to linger on my tongue, swish around my throat and
1: You're really driving this metaphor into the ground, man. But he's right. I mean, it was it was too good to give up on. You guys heard April and the words that came out of her incredibly formed and beautiful mouth. The only reason she liked us was because we saved her. She saw us as heroes. So, what if everyone saw us as heroes? What do you mean? I mean, look. We use our ninja skills to take out Superfly. We'll drag him up to City Hall, dump him on the steps of the cops, and say, we're the heroes who stopped Superfly. Yeah, we look a little different, but we're on your side. And everyone will all be like, more
2: popular than average students. Okay, okay, I'm following this. It's like Hulk in Avengers Endgame. Sure, he's a giant, terrifying green monster, but everyone knows he saved them, so they're taking subbies with him in a diner. You know, Mark
0: Ruffalo mostly improvised that scene. I know, he's good on his feet. Nobody. Good old Mark Ruffalo. So the turtles make this plan that they're going to become heroes, why? Because they want to be loved. That is the whole impetus. They want to be loved by people. That's the whole reason for their their mission in life now. Here's what I want you to get from this, and this is a silly little movie about mutant turtles, right? The turtles were willing to risk their lives to be liked. They were willing to risk their lives to be liked. And I got to think back when I was younger and I felt unloved, there was a, a good period of my life where I made incredibly bad decisions because I wanted to be liked. You know, I can, I can look at this movie and say that's, so, that's silly that they would risk their lives for that, but man, I risked my life to be liked when I got into just doing things to be accepted. I really did. I got into drugs and alcohol and all that stuff when I was younger. A lot of that just fit in. And so I understand this. Guys, acceptance from the crowd will become an idol that steers us away from the will of God if we make acceptance from the crowd our most important desire. You don't choose what your desires are. There's going to be some desires you would probably rather you just didn't even have. You do get to choose whether you act on those desires and you do get to choose what your greatest desire is going to be. And so if this is something that you struggle with, and it's something that I have struggled with, you got to look and say, is my desire for acceptance from people greater than my desire for acceptance from God or my desire to please God? Am I going to make the choice to make pleasing God most important to me, or am I going to allow this desire for acceptance to win? Because one is going to lead me in a good place and one is going to lead me in a bad place. According to the Apostle Paul, you can't please people and God at the same time. He says in Galatians 1.10, he says, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If I were trying to please people, if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Have you ever read that before? Paul says, if I were just going to please people, I couldn't serve God. I'm going to serve God. And I'll try to please people, but if, if I can't do that, I'm going to please God. God's going to win. That's what Paul says. Sometimes being a good person who honors God with your life is going to not please people. You guys get that? Sometimes doing what's right is not going to get you accepted by people. Because there are people out there that don't accept God. And when you start swinging the sword for God, when you start taking a stand for God, when you start trying to live for God, there are people in the world who don't share that view or don't share that passion who are going to try to tear you down. And they may just do it through their attitude. Guys, it may not be a malicious where they're out personally to get you. They may just not like you because of your beliefs. And you will feel pressure and you, you will feel... You will feel the pressure and you're just going to have to make a choice. Guys, Paul here says if you try to win the approval of people and you make that the most important thing, you are walking away from the Lord because you can't do both. You can't please God and please people at the same time. you got to make a choice. It is so natural to want to be loved and accepted by people, but we have got to strive to please God first. That's why Jesus lays these commandments out the way that he does. The first commandment is please God, love God. The second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself, but don't get them backwards. Because if you get them backwards, you're not going to do either one of them. God has got to be God. And when you love him first, there's going to be certain things you don't do because you love God first. Amen? There's going to be certain things you do do because you love God first. But if you get that twisted, you're going to get yourself into trouble. It is easy to sacrifice integrity, morality, and wisdom to fit in with the crowd. It is easy to do that, especially when you're young. Especially when you're young. If you make the choice to please God first... You will be protected from allowing the crowd to lead you into unhealthy places. Splinter's strategy here in this movie was to hide. No pain ever was was where he landed, okay? Now, we all have strategies for dealing with pain. Uh, This movie is largely about how do you deal and respond to trauma? How do you deal and respond to pain? There's two common but really poor responses to pain. Really poor responses to hurt, but they're really common. And the, and the responses are fear, on the one hand, or anger. Those are the common unhealthy responses to pain and to trauma. Let's look at the first one. This is the fear response. Go ahead and uh, let's play that next clip.
2: You were
1: obsessed with the human world. So I decide to give a shot. didn't go well oh my god it's a rat man, a rat man. everybody look it's a it rat man it's rat man it's just a bad mickey mouse costume it's real actually find a way to unlock ancient secrets of ninjutsu. How to turn a body into a weapon of death. And I found it.
0: because they wanted those relationships. They wanted that community. They went out and they rubbed elbows. And then what happened when they went out and they rubbed elbows? They got hurt. They got hurt bad. That crowd came after them. They feared for their lives. They ran in the sewers and Splinter vowed to never let them be hurt again. Did you guys notice that? I'm never going to let them be hurt again. And the way I'm never going to be Hurt again is I'm going to become a ninja and I'm going to hide in the sewer. That's the way we're going to handle this for our family. We're all going to become ninjas. We're going to be armed and we're just going to hang out in the sewer and never let anybody see us. We're going to hide. That's what fear makes us do. If you're dominated by fear, you will hide. And maybe you won't run in the sewer. Maybe you won't ever come out of the, of the manhole. You know, Maybe it's not that way for you. Maybe it's just you never let anybody get to know you. So you hide. Maybe it's you never are vulnerable with anybody. You never let anybody know what you're really afraid of. You never let anybody know when you're hurting. You never let anybody know when, when, when you're feeling, feeling a certain way. Like you just, you hold everything in. You, you don't share. Why? Because if you let people get close to you, what can they do? They can hurt you. And pain is your enemy, you don't want any pain, you want to you protect yourself from that pain, so you protect yourself from that pain, and you protect yourself from that pain, and you protect yourself from that pain, and you keep yourself from having any relationships. And that's, that's how the cycle continues, is, is we're never going to be hurt, 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 we're never gonna, are you going to go through life without being hurt? What does Jesus say you're going to have a lot of in life? You know, you guys know Jesus says in this life you will have trouble. That's what Jesus says in the Bible. A matter of fact, he says you will have a lot of trouble. It's not even just a little bit of trouble. You will have lots of troubles, right? This is what Jesus promises you. And so instead of trying to protect yourself from pain, what I would encourage you to do and what I think Jesus would encourage us to do is how do we manage the pain that we have to deal with in a healthy way? Not, how do I never feel pain at all? It is, how do I deal with the pain that life throws at me in a healthy way? And God will equip us to do all of that. Not only that, uh, is it righteous or right to hide throughout life? Is that God's will for my life? Is for me to hide? Guys, let me tell you something. Did Jesus hide? What would the world be like if when Jesus had come to earth, if he had just stayed inside and never gone out? What what would we be doing here today? We wouldn't be here today, right? Your job and my job is to find out what God wants me to be in life. And for you to find out what God wants you to be in life. And one thing I can tell you with utmost assurance is God does not desire any person in here to be a shut-in. Either physically or relationally or spiritually spiritually. God does not want us to be shut-ins. He didn't call us to be shut-ins. He called us to be connected, and he calls us to be points of connection for other people. In fact, you cannot be a Christian and be a shut-in. Why do I say that? Because of what Jesus says in Matthew 5 and, and other places, but this is just one spot. He says, you are the what? Light of the world. A town built on a hill hill cannot be what? Can't be what? Are you sure? What if I want to hide? Jesus is saying, you are the light of the world. You can't hide. People don't light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You cannot be the person that God has created you to be and be a shut-in, because God has created you to be a, a blessing to other people. He has created you to be a blessing to other people. As I read the scriptures, guys, as I look at the point of the church, as I look at it's like individual expectations for discipleship, there is this emphasis throughout Scripture. On personal connection and personal influence. And you cannot be a spiritually mature person if you are not influencing others in a healthy, positive way. That is the effect of a spiritually mature person. And in scripture, guys, community is not simply a means to an end. A lot of times we think of... uh, developing people and making disciples and how you have to have relationships with people in order for that influence to to spread. And that's true, but guys, the relationships are not simply a means to an end. In the Bible and in, in the grand scheme of heaven, the relationships are the end. The commandments are relational, connect to God and connect to one another because the relationships are the point. Where are we going when we go to heaven? What do we get to do in heaven for eternity? We get to be with God and we get to be with one another. The point is the relationships. That's the point. That's the end goal for God. Not just a means to an end. We can't be people that connect with others if we hide all the time. You cannot be an influence on others if you are constantly scared of pain. Because you will never get close to people if you're scared of pain. I heard a wise man say one time, you know, talking about church leadership. You can make an impact from a stage. You know, you can get up on a stage and you can share some general truths about God. And you can talk to a crowd and you can impact the people in that crowd. Or excuse me, you can impress the people in that crowd. You can impress from a stage, but if you really want to impact them, you need to get up close. You need to get across the table. Because when you start dealing with somebody from a stage, you can speak in generalities, it's not personal, but when you get close to somebody and you know this is what's going on in their life and in their marriage and with their kids, and that's when you can say, hey, here's what God's word says for you. Because this is... God's word for you, not just a crowd, right? That's how you influence and impact. It's, it's from up close where you can see somebody's individual story and somebody's individual life. When you can give somebody a word based on your knowledge of, of, of that person and their situation, there's got to be a closeness for that to happen. Because you will not be developed and you will not develop anybody else if you're isolated. Can't be done. You've got to be connected. Fear will keep you from that. The second poor response to hurt is what we'll look at in this next clip.
1: So um, maybe you could finish explaining, like,
2: exactly where you came from and and what you want and stuff. What do I want? Oh, easy. Acceptance.
1: No way, man. We want that, that. too.
2: Let me go back to the start. My earliest memory in the world is my dad telling me that he never was accepted. He just wanted a family, man. That's why he created us. But then, that's when the people he worked for sent the obstacle. They took it from him. I rescued my little baby brother and sister. And since I was the oldest, you know, I had to raise them. You did a great job. You did. Very well adjusted anyway we thought these humans yeah they murdered our dad but maybe maybe they just ain't all bad you know we went out we hit the town and it didn't go well especially this one dude man he wouldn't stop chasing us he wanted to kill us. Oh my god, that, that's what happened to us.
1: That's why our dad made us live in the sewer our whole lives.
2: Well, not me. That sound like a punk choice. You know what I did? I beat that fool Damn, I touched that chin. Molly-wopped to an inch of his life. And then I knew what to do. I decided to kill all the humans and let the mutants rule the Earth. I inherited my dad's mind for science, and I thought, what if I built a machine to enact my plane? I've been stealing all the parts that I need, and now I'm ready. I'm going to use a little of my blood to create a weaponized version of the moves. Then we're going to launch it into the atmosphere and watch it vaporize. Here's the kicker. Every animal on Earth will be transformed into a mutant. Every fly, flea, tick, snake, fish, and whale. Everything. And we become the dominant species on Earth. That's
1: bad. That's very bad. For me. Wait, what happens to humans in this planet (laughs) of yours?
2: Nothing good. We wish there was another way to feel safe and happy, but... People's, they got to go. A bunch of them gonna be eaten, enslaved, turned into fuel of some sort. Maybe they'll become a form of entertainment, you know what I mean? You know how they used to have a dog show, and they had a horse races. And maybe we'll have a redhead shows, fat booty boy races, baby tossing, something like that. You know, I think of something stupid.
1: Wow, that's, that's even worse.
2: They should be pets? Honestly, I'm open to all ideas. You know what I mean? Any crazy thing y'all think of, uh, I want to do it. You know what I mean? Just pitch it as soon as possible. Because now that i got this, I can complete my device and
0: acceptance will it. be ours. Awesome. So you got Splinter, who's driven by fear. And his response is hide, right? But then you have Superfly. What's Superfly driven by? Anger, right? And so where fear makes you want to hide, anger makes you want to hate. Anger makes me hate. What happens when we allow anger to become primary? Well, we become tough guys or tough girls. Common trauma response. One of the things we deal with in Wounded Heart uh, is helping people kind of identify what their trauma response has been. Uh, Typically, you will either, uh, your contempt and hatred will be internally directed if you've been hurt really bad. That's splinter. Uh, That's the fear-driven, where you hide, or it'll be externally directed, which is uh, the anger response or the hatred. That's what we see in Superfly. This is a common psychological response to trauma. This Turtles movie kind of encapsulates this uh, and puts it in this illustration that's pretty easy to understand, but it's it's a serious truth. Like, this is just generally true about humans. This is how you respond to trauma. You either hide or you fight. Fly fights. Guys, you can do this. Relationally in, in, in your heart, you can adopt this posture uh, as, as a result of what has happened to you in your life. Whenever we're angry, whenever we're driven by anger, guys, we, we can just we can start going into the world with our knives out. Just ready. Like we're just ready. If somebody comes at us, we're ready because we're not going to get hurt. We're going to hurt them. This is uh, hypervigilance. This is, uh, you know, I'm going to get them before they get me kind of attitude. This is what a lot of people do. This is what I did when I was younger, when I got hurt really bad. I kind of became the tough guy uh, to protect myself. So what does Jesus say about this mentality? Well, Matthew 5, um, Jesus has a way of, of really upping the anti when it comes to some of this stuff. He says that you've heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Anybody in here think murder is a good thing? Okay, I don't see any hands going up. Everybody thinks murder is a bad thing. Murder's not good. Shouldn't murder, right? Jesus says the same thing. Murder's bad. Anybody who murders is going to be subject to judgment. But then he says, but I tell you, Anyone who's angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Okay, he goes from murder to angry with brother or sister. What? Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, raka, is answerable to the court. That just means you're an idiot. Okay, this is a, a term for contempt. Uh, Anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, there remember your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Okay. Let me break this down. What Jesus says right here is that when I treat somebody in my attitude like they're dead to me, I have murdered that person relationally. Do you understand that? When I treat someone with contempt, like I don't want a connection, I have relationally murdered that person. What Jesus says in his teaching is that superfly's attitude, guys get this now, superfly's attitude is as bad as the sin of murder. Because his attitude toward those people was murderous. Did you guys hear how he was talking about people? Whenever he said, uh, you know, what what are you going to do with all the humans? And he starts running down this list. Well, we're going to, you know, we'll, we'll kill some, we'll eat some, and then we'll use some for entertainment. We'll have... Redhead shows and fat booty boy racing and uh, what else did he say? Baby tossing. You know, we'll just, whatever y'all think of, whatever you can think of, we're just going to do it. You just, you know, he's, he, because why? Because the humans are cattle. The humans are less than human. That was just an attitude though. Okay? Jesus is saying your attitude is that bad. Because some of you in here, especially those of you that are super into politics, The stuff that you say about people. The stuff that you say about people is more closely akin sometimes to what Superfly was saying in his little uh, rant than it is anything Jesus would say about them. Where does that come from? Well, it comes from anger. It comes from anger. Why would you talk about somebody that way? Because you're angry. You're angry. You think they're stupid. You think they're idiots. You think they're backwards. You think they're prejudiced. You think, you think, you think, and you dismiss them, and you dehumanize them, and you make them less than what God made them when he made them in his image. You treat them less than. And that's the same as murder. When you treat people as less than, according to Jesus, you are treating them as if they were dead. Don't do that. How does my attitude affect my view of people, affect what I post, affect how I act in conflicts, affect how I deal with coworkers? Guys, Jesus says over and over that the way that I treat people and the way that I think about people is closely connected to the way I think about God and the way I treat God. You guys see that? Okay. So you got two responses, you've got the fear response, you've got the anger response. Neither one of those are good responses to pain. What is the answer to anger and fear? Well, the alternative is what we'll talk about next. Let's look at the next clip. Just won't quit,
2: huh? What is it about these stinking humans that you love so much? Humans are complicated creatures, they're good. Like April in
1: Bath, like that lady who milked us. Sorry, did what now? As much as I don't like them, and trust me, I do not like them. If we kill them, we are no better than they are. I refuse to accept that you all are cool with brutally killing all of them. You just can't be. You're awesome. You're fun. We fived. You're not killing. <coughs> come on. Five. Look at you. But it's the only way we'll be accepted. No, no that come we on. accept you. You can no, come live with God. us. We come accept on. you.
2: Yes. Plenty of room. Kind of don't want to murder everyone on earth and I just kind of wanna sing. Really
1: Yeah, it's a good point. I'd rather not murder tons of people cuz like what if I'm haunted by the faces of my victims in my sleep? Yeah. yeah of, of course. course. Murder is a heavy burden. Bro, you you'll really let us live with you? Of
2: course, bro. Bro. Bro, ski. Bro.
0: Bro, Sam. Abracadabra. <laughs> so the answer to anger and fear, love conquers fear and anger. Love conquers fear and anger. In the Bible, love is held up as the greatest quality that any of us can have. In uh, 1 Corinthians 13... Paul says, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but don't have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. not self-seeking. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Sounds like love is something we need in life. Murder is a heavy burden, as they say in the movie. Guys, whenever we act in anger, whenever we cut off relationally, we, we adopt that burden. We've got to be connected with people. We've got to understand uh, that, guys, love is the answer. Uh, it is, again, a silly movie, a silly point made in a silly movie. But when Michelangelo and Mondo Gecko were, were singing there at the end, vibing together, <laughs> these two enemies that were going to kill each other now are together. Guys, th- this is as silly as it is. That's the, that's the answer is God created us to to be together and to love together like this. One of the truths that will keep us grounded is the truth that God accepts me. We take communion weekly here. Uh, The reason we take communion weekly is because Jesus told us to. And I believe the reason he told us to is precisely because he wants us to remember that God accepts us. Uh, What's the greatest command? It's love God, right? Uh, It is easy to remember to love God when you remember how much God loves you. And communion is designed to to remind us of that weekly. Uh, We remember that we serve a God who created the world... And then came into the world and died on a cross to to pay for our sin. Guys, whenever we sin, we have a death sentence over us. God cannot fellowship sin. God is the source of life. We want to be connected to the source of life. But the source of life cannot fellowship sin and darkness. And so we have to get our sin and darkness taken care of before we can be connected in a real way. And so God makes a way graciously through his son Jesus... By sending him to die on a cross for our sins. Jesus says if we will follow him and give our lives to him, he will count his death on the cross as the penalty for our sin. Where, Whenever we stand before God and are judged, God will look and he'll see his son. He won't see us in our sin. He'll see his son. He'll see his righteousness. And all that gets applied to us, guys, when we put our trust in Jesus and follow him. And so communion is a weekly reminder that this is how much God loves me. He was willing to bleed and and have his body broken so that I could be okay. And so this is a weekly reminder of God's love. And it's a weekly reminder of why I should continue to live for God. I get to live out of this love and the sacrifice that he made. This is available to everybody, guys, all of us. God calls all of us to follow Jesus and to lean into him. So let me pray and then we're going to take communion together. God thank you for bringing us together. Help us to remember that your acceptance and your forgiveness and your love is available to all of us. Father, if we are here today and we haven't yet accepted your grace and your love God if we haven't given our lives to you, uh, help us to be motivated to do that, to take the steps we need to take to ask for help or Make You know, have the conversations we need to have. Help us to take whatever steps we need to take to be right with you. Uh, Help us to be reminded of your love. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Who in here thinks love is a good thing? Everybody in here think love is a bad thing? None, right? Love is universally accepted as a good thing. Love is something that all of us want. Love is something that all of us desire. Love is something that uh, we would wish on Our friends, like, that we want good things. Love is just a good thing. We want people to have it. We want to have it. Here's the truth that is in the Scripture over and over that we need to think about and apply here. That is this, that God is the source and substance of love. He's the source of love, meaning he's got a monopoly on it. If there's love out there, it's because it came from God. Why? Because God is love. It's what the scriptures say. He is the source of it. He's the substance of it. Real love is only found in Him. It says in 1 John 4, 7-10, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from who? Are you sure? Whose love comes from, church? It comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of who? And knows who? They've been born of God and they know God. Okay? Whoever does not love does not know who. Doesn't know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that uh, we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. What we just celebrated in communion. Right? Love comes from God. He's the source. Everyone who loves knows God because God is love. He's the substance. He's the source and he's the substance. So if your plan to get love in life does not involve God, what's wrong? Your plan's jacked up. If you're trying to have a life full of love, if you're trying to have a family full of love but God is not in the picture, what's wrong? Because there's so many well-meaning people who want their households to be full of love. There are so many well-meaning parents who want their kids to grow up in environments of love. Guys, when God is not in the picture, let me suggest that love is not in the picture. And that's not to just make people feel bad. Guys, just to point out this, this truth that when God isn't in your life, something's missing, something super-duper important. Now, guys, in this movie, God wasn't in this movie. The, the, the turtles, they didn't, they didn't refer to God in this movie. This is reality. All of us need love. But, guys, if we are searching for love and God isn't in the picture, we're not going to find it. You need to understand that. If you're here today and you're searching for love, it starts with God. What's the greatest commandment? It's to love God, right? That's where it starts. That's where it starts. you got to have him in your life. He's the source. He's the substance. Let's look at one more clip, and then we're going to close out today. So the way this film ends is with the turtles getting their needs met in in community. You might notice uh, that scene when the sewer uh, manhole cover was coming off, the, the mask fell down into Splinter's hand, so the turtles' masks came off. They no longer had to hide behind the mask. They're coming out into the light. They're going into the school. They're now part of the community. All these things are kind of being buttoned up at the end. Here's the truth, guys. If you want community and you want love in your life, the the greatest command is what? Love God, right? The second is to love your neighbor as yourself. And the greatest place and the greatest way uh, to express that, honestly, is God's love is made complete in a healthy local church. God's love is made complete in a healthy local church and here's why I say that. 1 John 4:11 and 12. John is writing to a local church. He says, "Dear friends, since God so loved us, us in this church, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete" In us. Now that's in the Bible, guys. John says, if we love one another, if we in the church will love one another the way God says to, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. We have love to give, right? Because why? Because God has loved us, right? When you've been loved well, you got something to give. God says, I'm going to give you this, and I want you to share it. You guys understand love is not meant to be just held on to and never shared? The whole point of it is to share it. God is a giver, man. He is a giver. To love is to give. To love is, is it's to, it's to be passed on. The greatest command is to love God. How is your relationship with God doing today? You know, a lot of us come here, we come from different places, some of us haven't been to church in a while, we're coming to check it out, some of us maybe have been around for a while. I don't know where everybody in this audience is, but what I do know about every single one of you is that God loves you and he wants a relationship with you. And I know that the greatest command in the Bible to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is the greatest command for me and it's the greatest command for you. And so I just got to ask you, how are you doing with that today? Because we would really, really, really like to help you if you are trying to pursue God, if you're trying to love God, if you want to talk with someone about what it might look like for you to start loving God, if you feel like this is something you haven't done. One of the misconceptions that's out there about Christianity is that Christianity is all about following a bunch of rules. Christianity is not about following a bunch of rules. It is about relationship. Christianity is about relationship with you and God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, and God's people. That's what it's about. And yeah, there's stuff you don't wanna do if you're a Christian, there's stuff you do wanna do, there's stuff you wanna stay away from, why? Because it upsets God. So rules, it's not about following rules, it's about upsetting or honoring God. Do I wanna honor God with my life? Yeah, so there's certain things I'm gonna do. There's certain things I'm gonna stay away from. Because I care about my relationship with God. It's not just about checking a rule off. It's about my relationship. Amen? It's relational. How's your relationship with God? Do you want to talk with somebody about your relationship with God? If you're here and you're just investigating a relationship, check on your card. Uh, we, you've got some communication cards in your, in your bulletin. Cards like a piece of paper if everybody wants to pull those out. If you want to talk about your relationship with God with somebody, check on your card that you'd like a personal Bible study, and we will have uh, one of our leaders follow up and just have a conversation with you. You just open the Bible and say, Hey, here's what the Bible says about, about how I can relate here and how I can connect. Let's, you know, am I doing this or not? It's pretty, pretty simple in that. We just open the scriptures and apply it to our lives. So if you are needing connection with God, we want to help you. If you're needing greater community, if you're just if you're wanting to connect with people, you know, maybe you feel like you have a connection with God, but you just don't have friends in your life that are, that are healthy or good for you. We are a small group-driven church here at The Crossings. We uh, require small group participation for our membership. And the reason we do that is because relationships are what we were created for. Guys, again, the, the relationships within the church are supposed to model what it looks like in heaven. So we believe, and I believe God teaches That the very best relationships we can have are found within the church. Because the church is where we model heavenly values to the world. We believe that our church is supposed to be a little bit of heaven on earth. And that's what we're striving for. Guys, again, this is a fallen world and a messed up place and, and broken people. So we are not perfect. But guys, I can tell you this is a healthy congregation. And I can tell you the relationships here are healthy. And I can tell you that if you're here and you're needing help with something, this is a safe place where you can get help. And if you are ashamed of something that you're struggling with, I guarantee you there's two or three or four people that have struggled with the same thing here that, that would just put you at ease. There is nothing uh, you have done or are involved in. I would, I would be willing to bet there is nothing you are involved in or have done that there is not somebody else here who could relate very closely with you. And so I want you to know, we are a a church where we're trying just to connect with God and connect with people. We are trying to to help people where they are. We really do strive to just meet people wherever they happen to be at the moment and just kind of take their hand and go from there. And so if you're here looking for help today or looking to connect, we would love to connect with you. I want to invite you to pull that card out and fill it out. Uh, I'm going to pray in a moment and then we are going to sing a song. And during that song, you'll have a good two or three minutes just to fill that card out. Uh, Once the song is done, we will sing one more song after that to close, and we'll pass some baskets. And you can just drop your card in that basket when it comes by, and one of our leaders will follow up with you and and just talk with you about kind of where you're at. So I want to encourage you to respond today. Uh, All these things we looked at, guys, God loves you, and God wants a relationship with you. He, he desires that for you, and he wants you to have a good life. Not free from trouble, because he promises there's going to be trouble in life, but he does want to equip you to be able to deal with trouble. And a big part of that is wrapped up in who your team is around you. And your church is meant to be your team. Your church is meant to be your family. So if you haven't joined the team yet, I want to invite you to investigate that, okay? Okay. I'm going to pray, and then we'll sing a song and give you uh, time to fill that card out. Let me pray. God, thank you for bringing us together today. Thank you for the simple reminder that the greatest command in the whole Bible is to love you. Help us to love you. God, help us to remember relationship with you. God, it involves spending time with you. It involves talking to you. It involves learning about you. It involves trying to honor you you. Stay away from things that dishonor you, God. Just help us to relationally engage. Help us also to relationally engage with each other. Help us to understand that faith is not just about me and you. It's about me and one another as well. Help us to be faithful. Help us not to react in fear or anger when we're hurt. God, help us to react in love. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.